0: Hey guys, it's Christina. Welcome back to the Pillars Through Seasons podcast. So today we got to chat with a special guest, Sarah Jane Case of Enneagram and Coffee. Sarah Jane is a writer, podcaster, and speaker based in Asheville, North Carolina. She's a creator of Enneagram and Coffee, as well as the host of the Enneagram and Coffee Podcast. What started off as a passion for Enneagrams and a simple hobby turned into a full-fledged business way beyond her Instagram. She now runs Club Enneagram, a monthly online membership for a community of people who are genuinely learning about themselves through the Enneagram and is a business coach to many. In this episode, we broke down Enneagrams. The Enneagram is a model of the human psyche understood and taught in nine personality types. It most often gives people language as to why they act or even think a certain way. We went over each Enneagram and discussed different types of jobs each number could take on and thrive in. So let's tune in to our conversation with Sarah Jane Case. And so, so many people have been curious about the Enneagram. Um, And I know your Enneagram Instagram just blew up overnight. Um, I remember... (laughs) I just read, um, I don't know if you know, The Road Back to You by Ian Cron. I read that and I was like asking everybody, what is your Enneagram? And I think some people were annoyed. Some people took the test just to entertain it. Um, And then Mm -hmm. your bingo boards went Mm -hmm. viral and everyone was like, oh, I'm this or that. And then (laughs) it just like, I think it really um, made people aware Of Mm -hmm. this new language I guess Um, and so we wanted to know who is Sarah Jane Um, Mm -hmm. what do you do Um, is Enneagram and Coffee like a full-time thing I know you do have um, something else called the Brave Collective and so we just wanted to know um, who you are um, what did you even pursue pursue in school how did you create Enneagram and Coffee
1: yeah, so I um, so I'm Sarah Jane, and I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I studied photojournalism in college, actually, and while I had like intended to do National Geographic or newspaper journalism. And, um, I worked for a newspaper and realized it was not for me. <laughs> it was just like, uh, I'm an Enneagram seven and newspaper basically means someone is telling you what to do all the time. And it's like any moment and I just don't thrive in that environment. And so I quickly realized that, and I started my first business in college. So I had my first newspaper job in college as well. Um, and I started my first business in college, which was wedding photography and, From there, that shifted and changed and had led me to where I have been the last couple of years, which is business coaching, primarily working with people who are high achievers but need to kind of bring their human self into their business. You know, how do you remember that you're not a work robot, that you're a person who has like physical, mental, and emotional needs, and how do you make that work with being a business owner? So that's what I've been doing and I was bringing Enneagram into that work a ton and um, I had been studying the Enneagram for about four years and I was integrating it into my work with my clients and I created a webinar all about the Enneagram and just saying like this is my secret, this is my tool that I use, um, it's basically the key to relationships I think and um And a friend of mine was like, Sarah Jane, you're talking about the Enneagram so much that you probably should just start talking about the Enneagram. (laughs) So they're trying to like use all of the other things as ways to talk about the Enneagram. So I created Enneagram and Coffee from that space. And it has, now it is, you know, 80 to 90% of what I do. And I have the Brave Collective, which is my membership community. And that is all about bringing creativity and engagement into your everyday life. And I have Club Enneagram, which is all about um, Enneagram and hanging out and doing self-reflection work and actually using the Enneagram. You know, I think a lot of us, we learn the Enneagram and then we're like, now I know what I know. <laughs> and I know how to communicate myself to people. Um, but I, I wanted people to to use this in their day-to-day lives and be able to implement it and not just know it. And so um, that's what Club Enneagram is about. So those are my main now. That's
0: so cool. Um, do you work by yourself or do you have a team? I know you're constantly putting up content, especially on Instagram. Mm-hmm.
1: So I work. I work. Um, all the content is is me. And oh, wow. Um, then, yeah. <laughs> I am. I am like a content generator. That is like if I were like given a gift, it is definitely the ability to just create masses a mass amount of content. Wow. Um. I love it. I live for it. Um, But then I have my husband who also works with the company full time. So he does all of the like back end stuff. So he like handles my calendar at this point. He like manages the Enneagram and Coffee email, customer support, the merch store. um, All of that is him. That's
0: amazing. So you guys are like a power couple basically.
1: (laughs) He's like my like need him in my life in so many ways.
0: Wow. I know that you're also a mom, right? Yeah. How do you balance that? I mean, I don't know if balance is the right word, but, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't really ask men that, how do you balance your life? (laughs) Um, but you know, how do you basically manage everything when it comes to being a mom? And I know like Mm -hmm. Instagram and any club Enneagram, everything takes up so much time, even just sitting down to create content. Um, and then, you know, having time with your husband like how do you do it
1: i love that question and i love the way you phrased it or like balance may not be the right word because i don't think it's a real like i don't think it's possible and at any given moment something is getting the short end of the stick and that's just reality like um sometimes i'm spending more time with with for our son and less time on content creation and um but the big thing that i've learned is to just think about future me ahead of time so the more that I can do to take care of future Sarah Jane now the easier it's going to be to exist in the future so um, I do a ton of like preparation so creating content ahead of time um, scheduling things out in advance if I can uh, making sure that like our meals are prepped ahead of time making sure that um, you know Ford's clothes are laid out the night before things like that just like always thinking about not not living in the moment <laughs> of like what's what do, do i need to be doing now but more so what do i need for me to be doing tomorrow and the mm-hmm. next day and a month from now
0: that's such an inter- like interesting way to think um i'm also mm-hmm. a seven according to the enneagram test and i mean everyone says when they meet me and they talk to me it's like oh you're such a seven and <laughs> i get that a lot um but i think that I always felt was like a downfall thinking about tomorrow or the future because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I was actually struggled struggle too to like be present fully because I'm always thinking about yeah. tomorrow or what could go down you know in the next week mm-hmm. and so that's so interesting and I think that's yeah. something I should implement too. Well
1: I think I love that because you know what's With all of our numbers, the things that are maybe our struggles are also some of our strengths. So the ability to see the future as a seven can be a strength or, right, it can be the place that we go when we're trying to escape reality. Um, Like if I'm having a bad day, like I'll just like look up travel documentaries about like the place I'm traveling to next so that I don't have to think about the day. And that's where it gets kind of iffy. (laughs) But it's so helpful in terms of preparing for... Uh, the future in terms of like the business and parenting and and self-care. Yeah,
0: so um, I guess switching gears a little bit, for those who don't really know the Enneagrams, um, there have been so many questions when I posted that we'll be interviewing you. Um, Mm -hmm. There have been some personal questions that also came in, and I would love if we have time to go over some of them. Um, But for those who don't really know the Enneagrams, is it possible for you to um, break down the enneagrams maybe by number, and also um, people were asking, "What is the biggest difference between enneagrams and Myers Briggs?" I don't know if you get that question mm-hmm. a lot. Um,
1: we do get that question a lot, and I and so I will answer that one, and then I'm so happy to run through the numbers. Um, so for Myers Briggs, you know, you're given a kind of a diagnosis of of how you show up. It's like you are this. This is what that means. These are your behaviors. With the Enneagram you're given a language to understand kind of how you orient in the world and what motivates you and what drives you so the first difference there is it's internal versus external right it's like you're you're being prescripted you know by what is happening inside so really the the Enneagram Only we can really know what our Enneagram type is because we know our motivations, we know our drivers, we know our fears. From there, you know, we have similar behavior patterns that do show up um, by your type. However, you're given these all of these different like ranges and nuances and ways that they move around, like levels of health, subtypes. You know, dominant wings that you might be leaning into. Um, You can move to different numbers in times of stress or in times of rest. So there's all this like nuance to it. So every seven is going to be somewhere different on that range. And it is so it's like a little bit more complicated and then beyond that you are able to work with it as a tool versus it being kind of a prescription. You know, you're like this is what you are. Um, This is how you will be. Uh, The Enneagram is like, this is who you are. Here you are at lower levels. Here you are at higher levels. Here's your potential. Um, And then let's talk about those behaviors that maybe aren't serving you and how to work with that um, so that you can be the best version of yourself that you want to be.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. I never thought of it that way. Um, Right now, actually, on Pillars for Seasons, we're doing a series on entrepreneurship. So it seems like there's a lot of women out there, um, especially moms, who we stay at home for a little bit, and they want to go into business um, with some sort of passion or hobby they have. And um, because of that series that we're doing right now, if you could describe each Enneagram and a potential job that you can see them doing, or multiple jobs, because I know for a seven, <laughs> um, it is actually so normal, they can be working on four or five different things. And I love it. And it didn't make yeah. sense until I saw your Instagram post. And so if you could kind of like break it down. Um... Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so I'll I'll start with one. So type one is the reformer or the perfectionist. They are um, most concerned with being good, being above reproach. Um, they're very good at walking into a situation, seeing what could be improved and making those improvements. The... Um, so when it comes to a job, ones are really good at being like activists, public speakers. They're very, um, focused on justice and making sure that things are fair. And, um, so they will, they'll speak out for that. And they're also, you know, in demand of like think people being good people. Um, and so they are great motivators for a crowd of people to be better, mm-hmm. um, So then type two is the helper and they are, you know, they're oriented around being liked and lovable. Um, they seek that through helping and being of service, um, being aware of the emotional needs of other people and meeting those needs sometimes on autopilot, not even realizing that they're um, inserting themselves to be of, of help. Um, And so a lot of twos honestly want to be stay-at-home parents. It's not an uncommon desire for twos. Um, And when you meet someone who's just like, I love this role, like this is what I was made to do, a lot of times they are a two. The other thing twos are really good at is um, helping people in the moment. So like wedding planners, being really aware of the emotional temperature of the space and being able to make sure everybody has their needs met in a situation. So they're really incredible wedding planners. A three is the achiever. So threes are focused on like growth and success. Um, They're going to really fall into whatever role they're put in. So if you put them in a corporate environment, they're going to fall in line and then they're going to rise to the top. Um, if you put them in an entrepreneur environment, they're going to be the best entrepreneur they can be. And so threes are really good at being CEOs. They're really amazing at being entrepreneurs. But even more so, they're really good at, it, a really healthy three is so good at community building and networking. And so putting them in charge of a team is, you're just going to get the best out of a three. Um, our fours are the artists or um, the individualists and they're focused on they, they kind of have this feeling like there's something missing in them that everyone else seems to have so they kind of feel like the black sheep sometimes or um, and they'll want to be different and authentic Is authenticity is so so important to a four as well as aesthetic beauty so fours make incredible graphic designers they make incredible interior designers um, they just see beauty in a way that is so unique and so special. Um, And they are able to create depth in the things that they create. So you, an interior designer who's a four, there's gonna be meaning to what they're creating. It's not just aesthetically pleasing, it's gonna be aesthetically pleasing and moving. Um, And then we have fives, which are the investigator. Um, They are more than any other number focused on gauging their energy levels. So they kind of have this worldview that people are taking from them their energy and that their energy is a cup that is full and throughout the day it gets emptied and at the end of the day it will empty completely um wow. and so they spend a ton of time yeah sevens are the opposite yeah. <laughs> um, so they spend a lot of time making sure that that energy cup stays full and doing what they need to do to do that so they will kind of retreat take time by themselves um Fives are also big researchers, so they will take in tons and tons of information. If you meet someone at a party who is like talking to you about how the beer that you're drinking or whatever, the tea that you're drinking, whatever you're drinking um, originated or where it came from and like the source of it, that's probably a five. Like that's like, they're so interested in the origin of things and where things started and the looking at things from every single angle and understanding it completely. So fives... Make really, really good researchers. They make really good like neuroscientists, um, engineers. You know, people if you can, who you can put in a room with a book and they're satisfied, and they will go, they will just take in more and more and more information. And a lot of fives become the go-to person in their field. Like they become the experts in their field. And um, so that's that's kind of where fives thrive then our sixes are the loyalist um and the the people I did my training what they call them the loyal skeptic which I really love because sixes have this kind of dance between when new people arrive they are immediately questioning them like are you um who you say you are why are you being so nice to me <laughs> like what what's going on here um but then once the people who are in their life on a day-to-day basis or who have been in their lives their entire lives, they are low later die, like through friends who are um, rarely but people. Uh, the other thing about being a 6 is that they tend to be worst-case scenario, like they are very aware of the things that could go wrong in the future, and so they are continuously preparing and prepping for that. 6s um, make really, really great middle management, people that are really hard workers. Show up and are consistent, and they see the potential flaws and things, and they show up and they try to meet those needs. Um, but most sixes don't want to be the the head honcho. Like, they don't want to be like the top of the top, the one in charge, because sixes um, do often struggle with indecision, and so when you're putting them in the position of like you're the decider, it's not always their best place. They're really, really good at questioning the decisions that are being made and making sure that the right decision is being made long term uh, I also know a ton of fashion blockers who are sixes um which is a surprising it's just and I don't have like a reason for that I just it's a trend that I'm aware of and I notice so the other thing is so then sevens um so you and I are sevens so are the enthusiast and we are mainly like oriented around avoiding pain, avoiding emotional pain. So we focus on how can we stay on that bright side of life. Um, any, when something bad happens to us, we have an answer, we reframe it, we find a, a light at the end of the tunnel, we find the, the rose colored glasses side of it. Um, sevens also, in pursuit of avoiding that pain, stay very busy. Um, for that reason, sevens can manage a ton of different components and so Sevens often make great serial entrepreneurs. You know, I've had seven to eight businesses in my life. Um, and we just thrive in that because we're good starters. We can, And so sevens are really good at being serial entrepreneurs, especially if you can hone that in, build something, and sell it. Like, that's where sevens thrive. Um, a lot of sevens are also coaches because – they see the potential of people. They see the, the future as a positive thing so they can help other people to believe in themselves and move in that direction as well. And then we have our eights, which are the challengers. And the eights are, the challengers are the most direct, straightforward, they're honest. Um, they really value competency, like in terms of people who are in charge They want a good leader. And if there isn't a good leader, they're gonna step in and become and be the leader. Um, Most of the time, like if you're in a gathering and there's like someone who always carves the turkey or something like that, that's usually the eight. Like they are just like seen as a leader. They walk into a room and everyone knows that they're a leader. Um, So with that, eights are great leaders. They're great at being a team leader. Um, They're really great business owners, the thing that eights have to be aware of is that they'll push themselves beyond their human capacity. And so, um, they don't always hold awareness to burnout or potential, um, things that could go wrong by burning the candle at both ends. So we have, they have to kind of slow down. Um, and then our nines. So nines are the peacemaker. They are, the most aware of the perspectives of everyone. So they're kind of at the top of the Enneagram circle and they can see things from every single number's perspective to the point where a lot of nines struggle to type themselves because they see themselves in every single number. And so our nines also, their main priority is peace of mind and kind of making sure that they stay relaxed, they stay at ease. Um, and and so therefore like sometimes it, they will, water themselves down to make other people comfortable to avoid conflict and so they can get lost along the way sometimes so nines also they make great mediators great counselors because they're so good at seeing both sides and bringing them together so that's
0: our nine yeah that's i never thought of it that way with um especially with jaws but it just makes so much sense when i think about it Mm -hmm. because even as a seven i would be like why do i get bored once it's not new anymore you know yeah
1: Um, it just
0: makes so much sense but do you think people change a lot based on wings i know um wings are a little bit confusing for some people because some people would get like um after they take the test uh, my friend i remember he told me he got an eight wing too um Uh and he was very confused and i i thought You know you could only be the numbers next to you um, but could you clarify
1: that a little bit yeah i think what happens a lot of times um people take the test and they get like top three results and they interpret that as your top two must be your dominant type in your wing um but what in actuality you're right like it can only be the ones on either side of you and it's my belief that we all have both wings so as a seven you have both an eight wing and a six wing but that you have one that probably is dominant and the goal then is to balance them out and to really like pull in that eight, pull in the six to really round out your seven personality. Sevens need a lot of six, right? Like we need that ability to see the potential pitfalls because we're so optimistic. Um, but we also need that eight because eights are going to show up every single day and get things done. And sevens, um, without those two things can be a little bit ungrounded, a little bit airy um, and following kind of the next fun thing. But those two things kind of ground us into reality. So we all need both wings and we usually lead with one else. So we usually have one that is dominant, but that can kind of change based off of the season of your life.
0: Okay, um, And you did mention in the beginning um, something about subtypes. Mm-hmm. Um, is that really important, especially if you know your number? How do you navigate that?
1: Yeah, so I think the most helpful thing with subtypes is is for those of you who are having a hard time mistyping. Like if you're feeling like you are you can't type yourself um, or you feel like you keep getting mistyped um, or if you're like, I don't get the Enneagram at all, I don't understand, then you probably haven't found your number yet. Mm-hmm. And um, that might be because of subtypes. So every single one of us has all three subtypes, which is like instinctual variants, which is one-to-one, then we have social and we have self-preservation. And each of those are just ways that we survive as people in the world, um, whether that's through connection, whether that's through a social network or through like making sure that we are physically well and safe. Um, Then we all have one that is dominant though. And for every number, one of those dominants is a counter type. And so what that means is that you show up differently than your number in behavior. So I will say, like, I'm a social 7. So as a social 7, I look like a 2 a lot of the time. So people often think I'm a 2 when they meet me because they're like, you're so, like, warm. And um, and I – but I know, like, internally I'm a 7, but it's it can be confusing. So what that looks like is we all have these – um desires or these passions and the counter type is almost rejecting that passion so it's a seven for me that's gluttony so um because I know that I have like that desire to just have all the things I want I will reject that and put myself last so a good example of this is one time I bought a mattress and I was very excited about this mattress I was like thinking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and was just thinking about it and obsessing over it and so excited I got it and I stayed in the box for months because it was like this. As long as I un- it's not unpacked, I can just still think about it. Like, it's still so exciting. Um, but as soon as it's unpacked, it's, like, not fun anymore. But it's, like, that kind of pushing away the gluttony. Like, whereas, like, a, maybe a typical 7 would immediately open it and be like, I did it. And then be through with it and move on. Because I have that rejection, it's like, you stay over there and I'm going to measure this out. And and so for if you're having a hard time typing you could be a counter type of your type.
0: Okay, so it just kind of naturally comes out, um, maybe if you're not is it like an awareness thing? Like you kind of don't want to accept
1: mm-hmm. it? Yeah, so I think so I think that's true as well, or you just you feel like you can feel it bubbling under the surface. But you're like, I'm not supposed to feel that way, and so you reject it. So for a three, I think a three is another good one. Um, their passion is um, vanity, and so three is like an average three, a non-counter type three is gonna be fine with that. Like, like, like yeah, I am vanity is my passion. Um, but the counter type is gonna almost reject the notion that they are vain, even though they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're pretending. So as a seven. Um, I think one of the, my big descriptors for myself is like, I'm a very moderate person, but like, no, I'm not <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's just like, I, I want to be, you know, I try to be, I think it's an important thing, but a lot of sevens aren't, aren't even thinking about it like that. They're just like, yeah, I am what I am.
0: Yeah, um, I, think, that makes sense. I think that makes sense, yeah, um, <laughs> because I think a lot of times people get very confused around this part, once the wings come into play, and then subtypes, and it is very obvious, like, I would say I know someone who is a six, um, very hard six, and um, mm-hmm. I think their um, subtype is also, like, self-preservation, and it really comes out, um, but it just yeah. kind of makes yeah. sense, you know, and so... Um, I think there are people who everything just kind of aligns. And then there are people, like you said, where you're seven, but sometimes you come off like a two. Um, okay. I've had people question that about me too. And so I think it makes sense. Yeah, it was just really confusing in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess what are some things that you've been asked regarding Enneagram um, that you want to like debunk? Like that's not true.
1: Yeah. So I think... One of my big ones is the lines. So there's a language around it um, that some people use called integration and disintegration. And so it says, you know, you move to one number when you're integrating and one number when you're disintegrating. In general, I don't like the idea of talking about ourselves as disintegrating as people. Um, and so I, in my in my training as well, we don't talk about it like you go to one in health and you go to one in unhealth. Um, but rather that you could climb up one um, in a positive way or you can accidentally slide down it in a negative way and that it's like the intention there if you're going to the high end or the low end, but that you have access to the high end and the low end of both of those numbers. So what that can mean, um, as a, I, I will use seven as an example. Um, so there's a seven in that... Um, the, what would be called a disintegration, we move to type one. So we can become kind of critical or um, perfectionistic, but we also can pull from that high end of one intentionally. We can become really structured. We can become moderate. We can, can become disciplined. Um, and that can actually relieve a ton of our stress. To prevent us from ever reaching that low point so it's kind of the same access point that we need and i think another great one for this is two so twos move to eight and they move to the challenger and that and you can ask a two slipping into that eight is like all of a sudden becoming very resentful and being very um aggressive about like this is crossing my boundary like that's not okay um, but a two intentionally choosing that eight point is Um, communicating honestly and directly about what their boundaries are and what is okay with them and what is not okay with them. And that can prevent them ever even feeling resentful in the first place. So we can really use those lines intentionally.
0: So going off of that, um, I always wondered what those arrows were in that circle. Um, And I know that people talk about like stress factors and things like that. But how do you actually intentionally become a healthier number proactively?
1: Mm -hmm. So I also, that's another one of my um, kind of myths around, around the Enneagram, the idea that there are just, and I think that there are extremes where, you know, someone is just like an unhealthy version of their number. But I believe that most of us are experiencing the levels of health on any given day. You know, I'm going to show up as a healthy seven and an unhealthy seven today. Mm -hmm. Both of those are going to come into play. And I think the work is bringing awareness Mm -hmm. to how how I'm showing up. So it's holding the space for um, when, what I call it, sevening out. (laughs) When I just am like, I can't do this. I can't be present with you right now. This is too much for me holding that and saying, whoa, 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 like, that is some, like, low-level seven behavior. What do I really want to show up like? What is What do I have access to at those higher levels? At my higher levels, I can integrate the full experience in a positive and bright way, and I don't have to, to reject the negative or the boring um, in order to do that. And so I think that's really the work is just holding the awareness in any given moment um, that this is a relationship that we're creating to ourselves of how we want to show up on a given day and that we have full access to that range of like positive and negative. The same thing with, you know, showing up as a one or showing, you know, showing up as your stress number, just knowing that that's there. So when you when all of a sudden you start to be kind of critical or judgmental or, you know, whatever your move might be, being like, oh, oh like something's up like i must be stressed this is actually not about the situation i need a little bit of self-care and maneuvering with it that way
0: that's so helpful um a lot of times i think when people want to know their enneagram and it's so easy for someone who feels like they know it really well um to help them kind of figure out who they are but obviously Mm -hmm. Um, I think even I found myself in this, like, pitfall of, oh, I know it, so everyone will just ask me. But then a lot of mm-hmm. times, I did notice that it wouldn't be really healthy the way I was gearing them towards figuring out their number. Um, so, do you have any practical advice on how you can help somebody find out their number?
1: I love that question, because I think I do this well sometimes, and I do it wrong sometimes, just because we can kind of get... Um, impatient with wanting the people in our lives to know their number Um, because we know what it's done for us and we think like oh this will unlock so much to our relationship if I understand you this way Um, and and so I think so the key there is to remain curious and to not assume we know anything Um, because there are people I've known my whole life who I can type incorrectly uh, because I have my preconceived ideas of who they are and what's motivating them based off of my judgments and so you know we anytime we have an idea of what's inside of someone it is a thousand percent because we have applied our narrative to that situation and so really we can never know so really remaining curious and asking good questions and um, pointing them to good resources and what I think the starting point resources are The Road Back to You is a really great starter book, Enneagram Institute.com. If you want to send them to like the most accurate test, that's Integrative9.com. But really just holding the space for them as someone who's willing to see them as they see themselves. And I think that's what we all want and need to anyway, right? Like that's yeah. going to aid our relationships in the long term.
0: Yeah. Well, we don't have that much more time left. And I would love to ask you. Um, I know as a 7 also, you might have other things brewing in the back, and you just had a coffee collaboration with Summit Coffee. Congrats on that. Thank um, you. And I just wanted to know, like, uh, where are you taking this?
1: Um, I have a couple of projects brewing, of course, <laughs> for the long term. Um, one of those being potentially entrepreneurship and Enneagram, um, a mastermind of some kind for people who are starting businesses oh, who wow. want to work with their Enneagram type. Um, that's something that I'm super passionate about is the magic that can happen as a business owner when you know your Enneagram type because there's so much comparison and so much um, so much that's being taught from one perspective. And I think when you know the Enneagram, you can say like, oh, it's not just three sevens and eights who are business owners. Like everybody is capable of doing things on their own. We just aren't set up with systems to help people thrive. So helping people to really find their magic for sure that's awesome
0: um so how can people find you connect with you
1: yeah um i would love to if you wanted to hang out with me over at enneagram and coffee on instagram or we're on we have a podcast on itunes and spotify um and then you can come hang out with me at Sarah Jane case on instagram too i would love to meet you that's if you want to know me better that's where that's happening over there
0: that's so amazing. Thank you so much for this most helpful time ever. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a little bit about yourself. If you'd like to learn more about Enneagrams, I really recommend Road Back to You by Ian Cron or reach out to us on Instagram at Pillars Through Seasons. You can also find us on our website at PillarsThroughSeasons.com and make sure to follow Sarah Jane at Sarah Jane Case or also on her Instagram for Enneagrams at Enneagram and Coffee. See you next time.